Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do great work. You can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for today, including guests, Pastor Rick Stevens, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance, will be joining us. Michael Cannon is the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Seat Motley is the founder and president of Less Government, and the former mayor of Naples always has interesting ideas of what's happening here on the Paradise Coast, the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, as well. It is May the 12th, and on this day in 1932, the body of aviation hero Charles Lindbergh's baby was found more than two months after he was kidnapped from his home in Hopewell, New Jersey. Uh, Lindbergh, who became the first worldwide celebrity five years earlier when he flew the Saint Spirit of St. Louis across the Atlantic, and his wife Anne discovered a ransom note in their 20-month-old child's empty room on March the 1st. The kidnapper had used a ladder to climb up to the open second-floor window and left muddy footprints in the room. In barely legible English, the ransom note demanded $50,000. The crime captured the attention of the entire nation. The Lindbergh family was inundated by offers to have assistance and false clues. Even Al Capone offered his help from prison, though it would, of course, condition on his release. For three days, investigators found nothing, and there was no further word from the kidnappers. Then, a new letter showed up, this time demanding $70,000, It wasn't until April the 2nd the kidnappers gave instructions for dropping off the money. When the money was finally discovered, the kidnappers indicated that little baby Charles was on a boat called Nellie off the coast of Massachusetts. However, after an exhaustive search of every port, there was no sign of either. And on May the 12th, a renewed search of the area near the Lindbergh mansion turned up the baby's body. He had been killed in the night of the kidnapping. It was found less than a mile from the home. The heartbroken Lindberghs ended up donating the home to charity and moved away. The kidnapping looked like it would go unsolved until September 1934 when a marked bill from the ransom turned up. Suspicious of the driver who had given it to him, the gas station attendant who had accepted the bill wrote down his license plate number. It was tracked back to a German immigrant, Bruno Hopman. Uh, when he was later searched, detectives found 13000 of the Lindbergh ransom money. Hoffman claimed that a friend had given him the money to hold on until he had no connection to the crime. The resulting trial, again, was a national sensation. Famous writers Damon Runyon and Walter Winchell covered the trial. The prosecution's case was not particularly strong. The main evidence, apart from the money, was testimony from the handwriting experts. The ransom note had been written by Hoffman and his connection with the type of wood that uh, was used to make the ladder. Still, the evidence and intense public pressure was enough to convict Hopman. In April 1936, he was executed in the electric chair. Kidnapping was made a federal crime in the aftermath of this high-profile crime. Charles Lundberg, the spirit of St. Louis, sadly losing this little baby, 20-month-old baby. Well, Florida's new congressional boundaries drawn by Governor Ron DeSantis was blocked from being used in this year's elections Wednesday by a Leon County 
Circuit Court, who ruled they discriminates against black voters in North Florida. The decision, certain to be appealed by the state, brings a new level of at least temporary chaos to this year's election season when candidates qualify for congressional seats in Florida only a month away. At the heart of the case is the current Congressional District 5 held by U.S. Representative Al Lawson, a black Democrat whose seating stretches from Jacksonville to Tallahassee and includes Gladstone County, uh, the only uh, majority black county in the uh, state. The new map, crafted by Republican governor and approved by the Florida legislature last month, scatters more than 370,000 black voters who had been in Lawson's heavily black Democrat-leaning district across uh, four North Florida districts. But all involved in the case agreed Wednesday that the time is tight with federal candidate quali- candidates qualifying set for uh, June 13th to 17th and county election supervisors saying they need a map finalized by the end of the month so the precincts could be reconfigured and other matters settled. DeSantis is relying on the 2017 U.S. Supreme Court ruling in a North Carolina case that found it unconstitutional to racially gerrymander a seat, except in narrow circumstances when Lawson's uh, Jacksonville to Tallahassee district may not meet. The North Carolina ruling came after two years after Congressional District 5 was created by the Florida Supreme Court, which had taken over the map-making in the last round of once-every-decade redistricting because of constitutional violations by Republican lawmakers who drew the state's initial maps. So we'll see how this turns out. They do have to... Handle they'll handle this with haste because some candidates are not sure which district they might be running in. So interesting. Hopefully it'll get resolved, I think, to the governor's favor. Senate Democrats on Wednesday failed to pass legislation that would prohibit local, state, and federal governments from preventing abortions. The Senate attempted to invoke cloture and end debate on uh, S-4132, the Women's Health Protection Act of 2022. The motion failed 49 to 51, and Senator Joe Manchin opposed the motion, and it required 60 votes to vote cloture. The uh, legislation would prohibit government restrictions on access to abortions. Specifically, the legislation states that governments may not limit a health care provider's ability to prescribe certain drugs, offer abortion services via telemedicine, immediately provide abortion services when the provider determines a delayed risk the patient's uh, risk the patient's health the legislation according to congressional government uh, stipulates in addition government may not require patients to make uh, ab- medically unnecessary in-person visits before before receiving a, an abortion or disclose their reasons for obtaining such services or prohibit abortion services before fetal viability or other fetal uh, Uh, viability when a provider determines that the pregnancy risks the patient's life or health. The bill also prohibits other governmental measures that are similar to the bill's specified restrictions or otherwise single out or impede access to abortion services. So in other words, this would be a bill that would institute uh, uh, the Roe v. Wade decision and uh, nationalize rather than keeping in in the state's decisions about abortions. is clearly the Constitution doesn't address this issue, and uh, it should be a matter of states' rights and the states determining how to handle this. But the, the issue failed. However, there are a couple of Republicans, uh, uh, the senator from Maine and Lisa Murkowski, who say they'd like to recraft a bill that might be more palatable uh, to voters. 
Uh, Senator Marsha Blackburn said in a statement after the vote, today's vote on the Women's Health Protection Act is a continuation of the left's mission to undermine the legitimacy of the Supreme Court and prop up their abortion-on-demand agenda. This bill would force states to legalize late-term abortions, remove informed consent laws, and prevent restrictions on gruesome fetal dismemberment procedures. Today I stood up to the woke mob and voted to protect women and their unborn children. So thank you, Matt. I think that state, states it pretty well, what the issues are, and uh, glad this was voted down. Again, we should just wait for the Supreme Court to make its uh, ruling. President Joe Biden is failing to address the acute shortage of baby formula across the country, which is resulting in panic for mothers for whom formula is a necessary supplement or substitute for breast milk. The New York Times reported Tuesday, a baby formula shortage leaves desperate parents searching for food, a headline once impossible in America. On Wednesday, incoming press secretary Karine Jean-Pierre uh, was asked what the White House was doing, was running point on the baby shortage. She had no idea. Instead, she assured reporters that the Food and Drug Administration was rushing to make sure that formula is safe. She blamed Abbott uh, voluntary recall of infant formula products, which took place after four infants were hospitalized and two died. There's no proven link, however, to the formula itself, according to FDA. So uh, she had no idea what's going on. Meanwhile, desperate mothers are considering their options, driving for hours to find formula somewhere, trying to restart breastfeeding, or even trying to create their own homemade substitute, which the government has advised them not to do. They face the prospect of being unable to feed hungry, panicked, and crying infants who are incapable of understanding why their mothers, who have nurtured them to every moment of their lives thus far, are somehow suddenly declining to feed them. If this were the Trump administration, the media would have been demanding answers. They would have been insisting that the president evoke the Defense Production Act, as they did if Trump was in the early days of the coronavirus pandemic, and Trump would have taken charge. As former aide Stephen Miller argued, there'd of course be no formula shortage if 45 were still in office. By pretending there was, he'd have instantly issued executive orders, uh, brought formula CEOs to Oval Office for a public meeting, held a cabinet meeting to break all log jams. Uh, he told the FDA uh, head fix or be fired, made all the staff work overtime until it was solved. When Biden does it, it uh, passed the buck. Des uh, despite promising voters, I'll take responsibility instead of blaming others. Biden agreed that it's a scandal when Americans go hungry. He shouted this during a speech on Wednesday. Remember those long lines you see in television, people lining up in all kinds of vehicles just to get a box of food in their trunk, he added. The mega crowd, that's what he calls them, the mega crowd, the MAGA crowd, wanted to ignore the destitute. Never mind the Trump set uh, American stimulus checks, suspended rents and student loans, and gave billions into emergency loans while Democrats imposed mandates and lockdowns. Well, now we have just another hunger crisis, one that affects the most vulnerable human beings in our society. And it's not enough to blame a recall or a pandemic. Americans want Biden to do something, but he's letting babies go hungry. He's just not doing anything. Doesn't know what to do. I don't think he can think through the problem. Trump would have certainly taken charge and solved the problem very quickly. President Joe Biden got angry during a speech to unions on Wednesday, yelling about the long lines of people trying to get food, as we talked about. Remember the, those long lines you'd see intelligent people lining up on all the vehicles just to get a box of food in their trunk? How quickly they forget people were hurting, Biden said. 
Raising his voice, he got angry at the Republican Party, accusing them of not caring about Americans who are still struggling. Now, this guy, the irony here is he's responsible for all the struggles that Americans have right now, including high inflation, cost of goods, the shortage of, um, of uh, formula, baby formula. He's responsible all for this, for the, and uh, it's not taking any responsibility. Instead, he said, what did MAGA crowd want to do? Forget it, forget it, Biden said. The president spoke about his political opponents as the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers in International Convention in Chicago. God, is this the United States of America, Biden continued? The idea that people would have to wait in line an hour, an hour and a half to get a box of food in their trunk, it's just unbelievable, Biden said, trying to blame it all on uh, mega. <laughs> he, he is just so out of his league, he has no idea what he's doing unfortunately, for Americans right now. We'll survive it. This segment of the show is brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Pastor Rick Stevens. He is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. 
welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform. And you can download the app and uh, find out more by visiting the website choicesocial.us, choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Pastor Rick Stevens, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Pastor Rick, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, always a pleasure to talk with you, Bob. Thank you, Pastor Rick. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, the Florida Citizens Alliance works to bring improvements to K-12 through education in our public schools in Florida. We see a problem, we find a solution, and recommend that solution to the decision makers. And we always want to work for the improvement of education, and so our students have the best possible advantages. And we want to break down those barriers and turn those kids loose to learn, because we think they're bright and capable. Absolutely. Great organization. The website is uh, GoFLCA. Dot com. GoFLCA.com. Pastor Rick, I understand there's breaking news in Lee County in the school board. Well, some really unusual things have been happening up here, some good, and, and recently we have to give the school board credit. They did pass a resolution supporting the National Day of Prayer. That's really amazing because it's only the second school district in Florida, as far as we can tell, to ever do that. Hmm. But then they turned around. In a workshop meeting, I don't know if people understand the difference. School boards have workshop meetings, and then they have action meetings. Well, at their workshop meeting on April 26th, they were talking with their lobbyists about some of the legislation that recently passed in Florida. One of them, the Parental Rights and Education Bill. Another one that deals with uh, in individual freedom. And they were talking about the what I guess we could call the problems that they would have in following the law and talking about how to to circumvent the requirements, how to get around what the law actually says. Hmm. And uh, one of our people who, who is very diligent and attends all of these meetings it, was there and heard all of that and was quite alarmed because, you know, when, when the law is the law, we're supposed to be a law-abiding and we expect our, expect our elected representatives to follow the law. Well, she sent a note to the Department of Education, to the interim commissioner, to let them know that the school board was actually having this kind of discussion. And to their credit, the Department of Education responded very quickly, and Interim Commissioner Jacob Oliva sent a letter to the superintendent of schools reminding him that they had to follow the law, that they couldn't be discussing how to get around the law. They had to make sure their policies and everything that they had in place actually followed the law. And we thought that was a great step on the department department's behalf. We thought that was the right thing to do. And and we really are astounded that a school board would, would try to get around the, the law. I mean, they should be setting the example, shouldn't they? Yeah, absolutely. That for our students and for everybody else. Absolutely. Uh, they certainly should be setting an example, and respect for the law, it begins with that. The, the borders and the boundaries of, of our behavior start with uh, with the law and, of course, our own uh, our own beliefs. So, uh, Pastor Rick, I understand there was a, did someone get censured on the school board? Well, the fireworks didn't stop with that, that's for sure, because this some of the things that have, have surrounded the school board member have been swirling for a long time. And people talk about it as though they know what's going on, but they don't always talk about the specifics in public. And so we've heard a lot of accusations about the school board member. A lot of people are concerned, both board members and people in the district, but also members of the public. 
and this is all kind of coming to uh, to a conclusion in some respects because what we found out recently was that a school employee made a report to the state and claimed whistleblower status so that they can't be harassed because of their report. There can't be any retribution against them. We think it revolves around this school board member because at the school board meeting earlier this week, another school board member made a motion to censure school board member Chris Patrika. Now, that has been talked about in recent months, but never done. Hmm. Well, this school board member made the motion, and so that brought it to the board's attention. And what do you know, five to one, the school board voted to censure Chris Patrika. This has never happened in the history of Lee County, as far as we can tell, and it sure brings to light in a very forthright way that there are some problems that need to be dealt with. And we believe there's an investigation underway right now, and the school board also is going to do their own investigation to find out what's really happening and put a stop to some of the antics that apparently are going on that people are trying to hide. That is that is a huge step. School boards almost never take those kind of forthright steps. And as as we know, it's never happened in Lee County before. But we think that's a good thing. Let's get this stuff out in the light of day so everybody knows what's going on and we can do the best by our kids. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Rick. Pastor Rick. Uh, now, is uh, we don't know what the offense or the alleged offense might be, do we? No, I don't know that we know for sure. I mean, there are people that talk about some things of one kind or another. Yeah. But I don't think we have any substantive verifiable information to know what's been going on. It, it kind of a revolves around, as near as I can tell for sure, accusations of abuse of power of some kind. Uh-huh. And we don't know if that's threats or intimidation or what exactly, but that's part of the reason for the investigation to find out what's really been going on. Now, in her defense, she released, released a statement saying she welcomed the investigation. She welcomed all of that because she's done nothing wrong. Well, that's pretty much boilerplate Sure. Stuff whenever somebody gets in the middle of that. So we'll, we'll see. We really just need to have transparency because the voters need to know we're coming up on an important school board election, not just in Lee County, but in Collier and across the state. And we need transparency. We need to know what's going on because the voters need to make good, informed decisions and, and get get moving on this stuff. Speaking of, speaking of which, for our listeners' benefit, when is the school election? When is the election, for example, in Collier County? Well, all of the elections are at the same time. They're, they're on August 23rd, I believe, is the date, Okay, is, is the primary election. And what people need to realize is that primary elections are so vitally important because your vote speaks much more loudly at a primary election than any other election. Sure. Um, fewer people participate, sadly, and so consequently you have a, a stronger voice. Plus, maybe the candidate you want to support won't survive the primary without your support. So we really encourage people to um, to get involved, to stay involved, to make sure that they're aware of what's going on and, and be ready for that primary. Of course, early voting starts, I think, two weeks before that. And if people are requesting a vote by mail, they've got to get that done, too. Mm. But the primary election day is August 23rd. And many times, this is what people sometimes don't realize, many times the elections are decided on the primary. They don't even go to the general election right. when it comes to school board. So people need to participate, get involved, and, and understand what's going on. And, of course, we have forums to help them do that. Absolutely. In fact, you can find out about the forums. Uh, go to goflca.com, goflca.com. And even the uh, forums that have already been held, I believe there are, you've got uh, videos of, of those uh, forums, and people can watch yeah. them. Yes, we put we put 
put lots of information out there. The next one in Collier County is on May 17th. It's at the Grow Church on uh, North Tamiami Trail. It starts at 5 o'clock. Encourage people to come. It'll be streamed. And for the first time ever in Lee County, we're having a school board forum televised on Thursday, May 19th. So people can look for, at our website for the information on those things. And we invite people to come and, and find out. It's, I really encourage people to, to come to those forums in person because you learn so much more by being in the room with people. And, of course, they can talk to the candidates. Right. Never hesitate to approach a candidate. Go right up to them and ask them your question. And if they're hesitant to answer your question, that, that's what we call a clue that something's going on. Yeah. If they don't want to talk to you, that tells you something important, too, because if they won't talk to you during a campaign, they sure won't talk to you once they're elected. Yeah, and so how about not showing up? How them. about not showing up for the forum, too? That's a clue as well. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a whole other story. You're right. A lot of them just don't want to show up. They don't want to answer the hard questions. And we focus on substantive stuff. We don't just throw candidates softballs. We want to know what's going on in their head and in their heart and how they're going to conduct themselves when they're on the school board. So people need to need to think about all of those things. Don't take anything for granted. Absolutely. Not a thing. Pastor Rick Stevens, again, I, we have so much more to talk about, but unfortunately at time is up. I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show, Pastor Rick. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, glad to help, Bob. Always good to talk to you. Yeah, thank you so much, Pastor Rick. And by the way, again, the website is goflca.com. Check it out, and uh, it's just doing very important work uh, here in the state of Florida to improve the quality of education in our public schools. All right, coming up, Michael Cannon. He's Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples' only vitality and longevity practice where acupuncture, Medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com, or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. 
Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse. Building a 44,000 square foot performing arts center in downtown Naples is going to be fabulous. And also bringing you professional New York style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. He is director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here, Bob. Thank you, Michael. Tell us about the Cato Institute. The Cato Institute is a libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C. We've been around since 1977. What we try to inject into the public debate is respect for the principles of individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace. So we just want you to be able to live your life however you want, as long as you respect the equal rights of others. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, Cato.org is the website. C-A-T-O.org. Check it out. It's a great organization. So, Michael, um, one of the things that uh, we're concerned about, of course, is availability of insurance. And I understand you've got some pretty interesting news with regard to what could happen in Florida. Right. So Florida is uh, experiencing something of a, of a health insurance crisis. You know, Obamacare premiums are skyrocketing so much that Congress is passing out $12,000 government subsidies oh. to families making $200,000 a year just because Obamacare is so expensive. Congress figures even people making six figures need that kind of need subsidies to afford it. Uh, in Florida, Obamacare premiums have been rising 12% per year, hmm. and uh, Obamacare premiums are about 5% higher than the national average in Florida. But there's something that Tallahassee can do about this, and they don't need Washington's permission. Back in 2014, the Obama administration told the U.S. territories that Obamacare's worst regulations do not apply in the territories. It's costliest hidden taxes. It's most expensive mandates. That means that if you buy health insurance, in say Puerto Rico, you can buy it free from all of the hidden taxes and mandates that are driving up the cost of Obamacare plan. You could save 50% on your health insurance. Wow. So if Tallahassee tells Florida residents, and that includes employers in Florida, look, we are going to recognize as licensed in the state of Florida any health insurance plan that, uh, that they sell in Puerto Rico, then Florida residents including employers, would be able to purchase more affordable, better health insurance from insurers they know in Puerto Rico or other U.S. territories. We're talking here about insurance companies uh, like Blue Cross Blue Shield, Aetna, Humana, United Healthcare, and they'd be able to do it uh, in, in, most, in many cases, for a fraction of the cost of Obamacare coverage. So let me understand. This. I think what I hear you saying is that uh, obviously the – Financial well-being of the company is, a, is an important consideration no matter where you buy insurance. But I think what you're saying is these are companies that are simply locating their insurance operations in Puerto Rico. And as a consequence, very reliable companies can provide the coverage. That's right. It's as if any other company uh, selling any other product has moved to a different state and you're buying it from that state across state lines. So you'd be doing it across territorial lines. And they 
you know, these are companies that already have networks of providers in Florida. These are brand names that they know and that uh, Florida consumers know. And if uh, the if the if Florida legislators do this right, then uh, they will have the licensing territories regulations added to the insurance contract, which means that if you have a dispute with your insurance company, you don't have to go to one of the territories to enforce it. You can enforce it in Florida courts. You can enforce the consumer protections in Florida courts, hmm. just as you could with an insurance policy that you bought from a domestic insurer. So, Michael, how about the uh, subsidies uh, from Obamacare? Are, do those go away as a consequence? No, they don't. One of the uh, uh, interesting uh, parts of this idea that will get it, uh, more support from more people, I think, is that this doesn't touch Obamacare. Obamacare would still be an option for people who cannot uh, uh, obtain health insurance without subsidies because they have uh, pre-existing condition. All this does is it gives one more option to people who are paying too much for their Obamacare insurance. Wow, this is just uh, fantastic news. So is it going to take some special legislation or something to happen here in Florida to make it available for consumers? It will. The state has to pass a law that says under our health insurance licensing laws, we will recognize as licensed in the state of Florida any health insurance plan that is licensed by any of the U.S. territories. And I should mention that because uh, this maybe of interest to some of your listeners is a, uh, a healthy Puerto Rican population in the uh, Fort Myers area, as well as uh, some in Naples. This could be an economic boom for U.S. territories, many of which are struggling economically. Hmm. You know, Puerto Rico is uh, an island of 3 million people. Florida's private health insurance market is 10 million people or more. Giving the territories the opportunity to sell lower cost, better health insurance in Florida's health insurance market is going to uh, create jobs in ter the territories. It's going to a help the territory pay for infrastructure and education because the territories would be able to collect those premium taxes. Now, for that reason, there might be some people in the state of Florida who don't want consumers to have the choice of buying lower cost health insurance. Mm -hmm. But it's still the right thing to do, and uh, the growing Puerto Rican population in Florida, and the growing number of Puerto Rican voters in Florida, uh, should be able to should be throwing their support behind this free market idea, and probably the supposed party of free markets, which wants to compete for those Puerto Rican voters. Has a has an incentive to yeah. Well. So, uh, Michael, uh, is, I know you've researched this. Is there any downside for the consumer? The downside for the consumer of having one more choice, no, uh, because uh, there are always risks when you're buying health insurance. There are risks that the company will not keep its promises, but those risks are present right now in Obamacare plans. In fact, they're worse in Obamacare plans. Yeah. Because Obamacare creates new incentives for insurance companies to make their products less attractive to the sick, to change their health insurance plans over time so that the sick, so that sick patients will not like them and will switch to another in, uh, Obamacare uh, carrier's plan, 
which creates a race to the bottom. This would save consumers from that race to the bottom by allowing them to purchase health insurance that does not contain those incentives to make health insurance plans worse for the sick. You know, this is such an extraordinary conversation. It's kind of breaking news in my mind. It seems to me that we should get our legislators on top of this so that we can just at least have that additional choice. Michael Cannon, again, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. I encourage you to visit the website cato.org. Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Anytime, Bob. Thank you, Michael. All right, coming up. We're going to visit with uh, Seton Motley. He is the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, a limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of the government, and we're hurtling in the wrong direction. We certainly are. 
with special, <laughs> which is a whole nother topic. But let's talk about your one of the columns that you had last week. Trump trade representative Lighthizer and Manchin support growth grows for a border carbon tax. Border carbon tax. What's that all about? Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, the um, last September uh, there was a bill with no movement at all in the Senate with 10 Democrats and no Republicans calling for a border carbon adjustment tax. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of the whole green energy nonsense. In fact, it's nonsense. And, right. and the climate change thing is nonsense. But I'm trying to head off as much damage as possible done in its name. And for years, a lot of conservatives, let alone Democrats, have been talking about a domestic carbon tax, which is taxing companies based upon how much carbon dioxide they release, which if if trees and plants could lobby, they'd lobby against because they like carbon dioxide. Right. We exhale it, they inhale it. But anyway, the, the, the flora don't lobby, so... A lot of conservatives have been in favor of a domestic carbon tax. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why? We already make it horrible for any company to actually do business here. Why are we going to pile this on? Meanwhile, China and India and Russia are still burning coal and burning oil and then sending their cheaper stuff because, of course, it's much cheaper to use real energy than it is to use fake energy. And then they export their stuff here and undercut further our domestic producers, our domestic manufacturers. So instead of imposing a carbon tax on our stuff, why not impose it on theirs? If you're you're trying to get some sort of global action on climate change, and we're the only ones cutting our, our throats, let's spread the wealth around. Let's do damage to them. And, and by damage, I mean, if they're, if, you know, my favorite irony of all, of course, is China is using coal-fired power plants to make solar panels, which they then export here. It makes, you know. And it, that's just completely ridiculous. Go ahead. I'm well, no, to your point, I mean, the, 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 the only problem that I see with the, with the idea, I like the idea. Uh, the only problem that I see with it is kind of the camel's head in the tent. And uh, once you legitimize a carbon tax, you know, <laughs> and Katie bar the doors because I'm sure they could still. Uh, well, I, I know, I know. But again, you've got a global consensus on this. You've yeah. got a bunch of Republicans on board for a domestic carbon tax. Uh, you know, at some point you have to say we may have lost that argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you, ha- you know, I like to govern in reality, not in you know, fantasy land. You know, no, I, I, agree. And I agree with that. See, I no, I agree with that. Seaton. It's just that the, the, you know, the science behind climate change just, is, oh, it's a total lie. It's a total scam. I, I call it the greatest scam on earth. Right. Ripping off the Ringling brothers. Um, but, um, no, but, but again, and also the carbon tax also applies very nicely to countries that are subsidizing their exports in other ways. Yep. So it fits in very nicely with the Trump trade regime, which, by the way, we've been advocating since 2012 or 2013, which is you can't compete on a, on a – you're not competing on a level playing field 
when you do globalization and do international trade, because these other these other countries subsidize the crap out of their products. All right. So and therefore, they can charge le- less than a market price for their stuff, which undermines our manufacturers. Again, we're operating within the confines of an existing trade policy uh, proposal we'd already been advocating, which is they're cheating. We're not. Right. So, but so what's we what's need to even out the playing field? Yeah. So, when, what's interesting to uh, to me about this is you you cite uh, representative trade representative Lighthizer, who was I, I think somewhat of a rock star in terms of how he yes. represented trade here, uh, global trade, uh, in our United States interests, but also Joe Manchin as well. I mean, does is there some legitimacy to this? Is is there a chance that it'll move forward? Well, what's interesting is now since I wrote that piece, Romney has come out for it. Hmm. And Manchin is hosting a bipartisan meeting on trying to resurrect parts of the climate part of the Build Back Better bill that's hopefully dead and gone. But it seems now like, remember, in in September, there were 10 10 Democrats and me advocating this. Mm -hmm. And now it seems like the, the, the entry fee for any Republican into these bipartisan talks is well, we better have a border carbon tax be part of the discussion. Wow. That seems to be like the ante for any Republican to participate in these discussions. Wow. So it's really moved a great deal since September uh, on, on the conservative side. Because, again, the Republicans are so moronic when it comes to policy. <laughs> they, they, were, they were boxed in by this domestic carbon tax. And they had no they, they had no alternative to offer, and I again I said I'd rather tax them than tax us, so that kind of gave them an out. And now you've got all kinds of Republicans. I mean, in February there was a bipartisan Hill press conference where a bunch of Republicans came out and said we're for a border carbon tax. It's what Trump would do. It's Trump trade policy. And now with these mansion bipartisan talks. No Republican will participate unless a border carbon tax is part of the deal. And, and, and again, since I wrote that piece, even Mitt Romney has come out in favor of, uh, of it. So, again, I, I wanted to at least avert Soron's eye from a domestic carbon tax to something that was less damaging to our manufacturers. And it seems to be working. Well, that's good for you, uh, Seton. That's it's a great contribution because, of, as I mentioned, I think there's a downside with the uh, camel's head and all that. But the the good news no, is, I, again, I, I'm trying. You know, when the when the whole ship is sinking, and there's a small hole and a big hole, you plug the big hole. That's <laughs> that's a good analogy, Seton Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Always nice to hear what is on his mind. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? 
Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Bob, it's a pleasure on this, this gorgeous day. Wow, well, what a beautiful day. It is gorgeous indeed, Bill, and uh, it's a, kind of a respite from the heat and from the uh, humidity. Yeah, for sure. The last couple of days have been hot but, but, but dry, and uh, I guarantee you, I can promise you that the season is over. <laughs> <laughs> because I made it from the, from the north end of town yesterday to the south end of town in about six minutes. Isn't it great? Just yeah, and uh, the it, car carriers just keep on coming and taking th- folks away. So it's it's a good thing. We're gonna have a good yeah, time. Yeah, well, at least at least they're cars anyway. Exactly. <laughs> so I, hey, I don't know about is there any yeah. is there any kind of any update on what happened with this? Uh, there's a case that the uh, Greg Myers, I think his his name might be, is uh, had uh, was suing uh, about uh, the city of Naples and the Naples Beach about the Naples Beach Hotel. Any update? Well, he he was. This was in a separate suit. He um, he sued. This was against the city of Naples, <laughs> um, and it, the it was a, pl- a plaintiff's verified motion to disqualify the trial judge. And so, what he wanted to do was disqualify uh, Judge Lauren Brody, who who was top shelf, who was a top shelf county judge, okay, circuit court judge, and he he wanted to. Um, to uh, have them uh, have her disqualified on this particular case, okay? Mm-hmm. And so um, 
And I think I told you a little bit about it last week. Well, anyway, our friend Dave Elliott on Friday had this had the mayor on and he said to her, do you recall um, the um, the statement um, that you made? Uh, and it's a sworn affidavit. It's got a filing number and everything else to have um, Judge Brody, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, disqualified. And um, what Greg Myers, the guy who's suing his attorney, said that um, he the attorney wondered whether Judge Brody was either incompetent or corrupt. Huh. And after without hesitation, this I'm reading it. Mayor Heitman raised her eyebrows and exclaimed, Brody's corrupt, Mayor Heitman added. This is the second time something like this has happened, though she didn't elaborate further. Anyway, the bottom line is the judge denied, uh, um, you know, the recusal and stuff. And But, I mean, for a, for a sitting mayor to say something like that about, a, about one of our judges um, with no backup or anything else, I mean, uh, I felt that was bad. And, you know, Bob? The sad thing is we have no newspaper coverage. That's that's the bottom line. You you can you can better believe that if I were if I were still the mayor and I said something like that, you you know they'd be sitting at my office door waiting for me. Yeah, <laughs> well, that just brings up a whole so. different issue, doesn't? It? I mean, I'm I'm just wondering how much longer the Naples Daily News can go on. You read. I wonder, I take a look at the letters to the editor every day, and I just wonder, right. who who is writing this nonsense? I mean, I wonder if perhaps they have shills that are sending this crap in. To, to I, you know, you would, think, you would think so, but I don't believe it. I mean, <coughs> excuse me. Uh-huh. I, I don't think that's the case, but you would think that. Reading some of this stuff, where do they get it? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like un- unbelievable. But, uh, you know, other, other than that, um, you know, they, they, the, the planning advisory board last week um, did their elections. They, they bounced out some of the regulars, and now they have a group comprised of pretty much all old Naples Association people on that planning advisory board. Well, if that's... So they got, they, they got everything they want. So, uh, and what is the significance of the planning board? I mean, what is their role well, in the city business? A very, very huge significance because the planning board gets a lot of these issues that come before council first, and they and they debate them, okay, and mm-hmm. they give their opinion, which is very, very valued. They give their opinion after putting hours and hours and hours in on some of these um, uh, motions that come up before city council. And um, usually city council will, at least at least for my past councils for all these years, you take the, the planning advisory board's um, words uh, um, and look at them very carefully because those guys are smart. They, they put a lot of work into, into, the, um, into the items. And when they give an opinion from council, it, it's there in writing. You can read what they debated, what they talked about. And sometimes you get the, these days, council just kind of, I don't want to say ignores them, but doesn't give them a lot of, uh, a lot of credit because they like to banter amongst themselves, as we know. That's too so, bad. So, so I mean, uh, which brings up the issue about the, uh, the Heart Institute, uh, that's been yeah. proposed by N- NCH. Is, has there any been any movement on that? Well, you know, I, I was at a meeting last week, uh, this couple of days ago on Blue Zones, and uh, uh, Paul Hiltz was there, and 
we had a chance to talk for a minute or two, and they're very frustrated, Bob. Um, council's just bouncing this around, and, you know, they passed the ordinance saying that there was a special zone, a hospital zone, keeping it simple, and that, that they could they could go above the height limit um, with this hospital zone. And it's only one building they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And then they decided they were too tired to rule on it, so they... Um, they're now debating that whether they want to um, cancel it and put this district in another district in a public service district, which makes no sense whatsoever. And um, they have to make a decision. Otherwise, that 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 hard institute's going to be gone. They'll they'll put it up in North Naples. Isn't that interesting? So, yeah. So that that that's about it. I don't think they met. Um, I know PAB met, but I don't think council met this past week. So they, you know, um uh, so nothing, nothing new other than what I said to you. But um, it's just it's it's just uh, in in my way of looking at it, um, they they're it's like having the old Naples Association of uh, uh, sitting up there making decisions. Yeah, and uh, the old Naples Association uh, that's a that gets down to Port uh, down to uh, uh, Port Royal in that area. It's, it's so there. It's well, a- no, not it's not so much Port Royal. Port Royal, Port Royal, Old Naples is um, is you know in front of Port Royal. It's 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 really um, it's really you know the area of Old Naples. Um, oh yes. Third Street and and down in there. Um, so um, you know Port Royal has their own decisions and they make their own things. But it's, but Old Naples is really the the ones that uh, that, that 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 decide they're governing the city. Bill Barnett, again, former mayor of Naples. Before I let you go, any comments on world news and global news and what's going on? Oh, my gosh, Bob. What can you possibly say? Honestly, I mean, we watch it every day. We watch We're you know, I'll, I'm, I'm guilty. We, we watch Fox News and The Five and everything else. And uh, uh, and 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 just just generally what you read and the shortages and that baby formula now yeah. that's, that they're having a big panic about and rightfully so that they can't get enough baby formula because a couple of factories were shut down and then you know when you look at the ukraine every day uh just seems to get worse and i mean joe biden just uh, i just don't know what he does <laughs> I, I can't find anybody to tell me what what is he doing he so, gets he gets mad at mega people <laughs> And yeah, oh, screwed. my God. Yeah, no, no, it's mega, mega. People, mega, right? mega, right? <laughs> yeah. It's so, really. I, I don't know. I wish I had an answer. <laughs> it's too much. By the way, I saw Tucker Carlson today. Now, this is different than the Tucker Carlson show tonight, and this is on uh, uh, Fox Nation. An interesting okay. uh, interview with Joseph Lopato, who is our Surgeon General here in the state of Florida. What an interesting man and what a background. He was an endowed professor at UCLA, you know, really. And he took the job here in Florida, which I think is just really extraordinary. But what a fascinating interview. I I really, really uh, recommend the interview. If you have a chance to go to uh, Fox Nation or just go to TuckerCarlson.com, you can find the interview there. Okay, okay. I'll I'll do that, and I also see, and then I'll get out of here. But that that a, that a judge uh, overruled Governor DeSantis. Um, I saw that that last night on his uh, redistricting. Yeah, so I I think that's going to end up, and that'll be appealed on. Hopefully, turned over pretty quickly. 
Well, yeah, but who knows? So who knows? Anyway, <laughs> Bill, always a pleasure to have you on the show. I just genuinely appreciate your commentary. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Bob. Have a really good weekend. Take you as care, well. Bye. Thank you. All right. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. We've got some great guests lined up for tomorrow, so I hope you will tune in as well. Uh, always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.